Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. This this man and woman been married for a few years, and she had always wanted him to take her dancing, and he had no no desire to do that. Finally, she talked him into going to the dance hall, and as they're dancing along, they see this man by himself out there just giving it all he's got. I mean. He's breakdancing, he's moonwalking, he's doing the worm, he's doing flips. And uh, his wife, the man's wife, turns to him and she says, uh, 25 years ago, that man proposed to me for marriage. And I turned him down, obviously. He looked at her and said, looks like he's still celebrating. <laughs> All right. Hebrews chapter 11 Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at verse, we're going to start in verse uh, 5 tonight. I want to say welcome back, Brother Charlie. Good to have you back. Thank you for bringing your beautiful wife with you, obviously. We love you, but we love you because you're married to her. You just need to know that, right? Yes, sir. We love you too. And, amen. Amen. Glad you're here, sir. And also, our our member who is way wet. We thought we think we're in North Texas. And she and her husband were in way North Texas. Barbara Robertson is here with us. Our member right now by way of podcast, but they will be in Texas before too long. Amen. Glad to have you with us. Please tell Rod I said hello and I love him. Oh, is he going to be listening to this probably? Son? I love you, Rod. <laughs> love you very much, man. All of you who are listening by podcast, we're blessed to have you. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews 11, verse 5. Now, now last week, we began to walk through this great chapter, and, um, and I told you, I think, that we have 25 truths that we're going to pull from this one beautiful chapter, and... Um, we started last week, and let me just give you some review over those things. I want to encourage you to take notes um, and study these things out for yourself. But we, uh, and, and David is going to bring some of these things up on the screen for us that we can follow by. Last week was, um, we started in verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen, which from that we get faith is not governed by the senses. Faith is not governed by the senses. Next, chapter 2, or verse 2 says, uh, For by it, that is by faith, the elders obtained a good report. That tells us faith changes your story. Amen. Old things are really old things. They're passed away, dead and gone. Amen. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Faith helps you understand the power of words. The worlds were framed by the Word of God, and your world is framed by your words. Amen. Helps us understand the power of words, and the Scripture teaches us that death and life both lie in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Amen. And next, and lastly, we in, out of verse 4, it talks about Abel. Abel bringing a more excellent sacrifice, more excellent sacrifice than Cain. God testifying of his gift. And he being dead yet still speaks. That is, the generous gift continues to give long after the lifespan. Amen. Faith moves you to give generously. Faith moves you to give generously. So now we come to verse 5 tonight. In Hebrews chapter 11, and it says, by faith, come on, shout by faith. We're going to see this, these two words together a lot. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and, it was not, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Taken away. God, it says God took him, didn't it? God had taken them. When, when we hear people say God took somebody, they die. But when the Scripture says God took them, they don't die. Did not see death. 
for God had taken him. It's glorious. Enoch lived 365 years on the earth, and he walked with God. And we learn something from this, this important truth to learn from this statement right here about Enoch that we can all bring into our lives today, and that is that faith supersedes natural law. Faith supersedes natural law. It's appointed for man to die, right? And then the judgment, unless you're Enoch. Unless you're Enoch. What makes Enoch so special? What makes him more special than you? Nothing makes him more special than you. Enoch just walked with God. He walked by faith. That's a way to, now that's the way to go. Now people say dying in your sleep is the way to go. How about you just don't die? How about you just walk along one day, all of a sudden God says, hey, why don't you just come over to my house? You're closer to my house at this point than you are at your own, so just come stay with me. Okay, that sounds good, God. Let's just supersede this natural law of death that we say is one of the sure things in life, two sure things, death and taxes. I'd like to supersede that natural law too. (laughs) And you can. You can. Let me explain what I mean by that before I get in trouble. Jesus told Peter, we got a pair of taxes. I want you to go fishing. I want you to put a hook in the water. And the first fish that you catch, open his mouth, there'll be a gold coin and go pay the tax with that. I'd say that's superseding natural law. Supernatural provision to pay your taxes. That's good stuff. But I want you to now go to 2 Kings chapter 6 for a moment. 2 Kings chapter 6. I want to see a, a, a neat little story that further illustrates this truth that faith supersedes natural law. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. All right, this young man's chopping a tree, the axe head flies off, and sinks down the water, and he hollers for Elijah, and he says, Help, uh, Elisha, I should say, uh, the axe head, I borrowed this axe. And look what Elisha says. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place, so he cut off a stick, threw it in there, and he made the iron float. What? Wait, let's slow that down again. Did we miss something? Where did it fall? So they showing the place, and he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. And look at verse 7. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Wow, that's interesting. How did, I, how did Elisha know that if you throw a stick in the water, that it'd make iron float? Anybody ever tried that? Never tried that. But what he was doing was giving the axe head an example of how to act. <laughs> Threw the stick in the water and now I act like that stick. And the iron said, okay. Floated just like the stick did. Faith supersedes natural law. And God has given you the power to do it. It's not just for the saints of old, it's for the saints of now. It's for the saints of today. And that same power that was in them, the same faith, is that it can be and should be at work in you today. And your first or, or, or your natural birth brought you into this world. And that means that you're under the operation, uh, the operation of the laws then that govern the earth, right? So if you jump up, what's going to happen? If you jump off the ground, what's going to happen? What, there's a law called the law of gravity that's going to pull you back down to the ground, right? So we know that that's true, but the scripture says that whoever is born of God overcomes the world, all right? So that is the world and the system that governs the world, the laws that 
govern the world. That's why Jesus said you could say that mountain be removed and be cast in the sea. That goes against the laws of nature. You could tell that mulberry tree, be uprooted and go plant yourself in the ocean. And it would obey you. And he said you've got to believe for that to happen. Amen. Faith is the key. And it supersedes these natural laws. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus as a man, Jesus as a man, he was man. He's God and he's man. And he came and became, God became a man and he dwelt among us. He became flesh and he dwelt among us and he walked among us and he talked and people touched him and he touched people and he breathed and he slept and he ate and he drank and he was a man. And as a man, he defied the law of liquid. That law of liquid says if you get in liquid, you can't stand on top of liquid. You have to swim in it to stay on top, right? Otherwise, you sink in it. But he defied the law of liquid by standing on top of it, making a sidewalk out of it, and even helped Peter to do the same. Jesus also defied the law of limits when he fed thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. He also defied the law of loss. As far as everybody else was concerned, Lazarus was dead and gone, gone, gone. Four days dead. And yet, that didn't bother Jesus at all. He stood in front of that tomb and said, Father, I thank you that you hear me always. Lazarus, come forth. And as a man, let me tell you something. As a man, Jesus himself did operated his life as an example for you to operate your life. Jesus, on this earth, walked by faith. He walked by faith in the Father. He walked by faith. And so he was, he was continually in communion with the Father through his faith in him. He didn't have that, the same kind of communion he had in heaven because he was here. But now, as a man, he showed us how to walk by faith and how to overcome any obstacle, any law that would try to govern you under the power of what is natural, what nature says. But no, he says, no, there's a law that transcends that. There's a law of faith. Amen. Faith supersedes. Because faith is not limited to these natural laws, then you have the God advantage in this world. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. It gives you the access to the ability of God in every scenario in your life. That's why when Jesus, it was an amazing thing when Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. All of it was awesome, the truth and the life. But saying I am the way means there's always a way. Because Jesus is always. And as long as he is in your life, there is always a way. Faith supersedes natural law. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is a long one, so get your hand ready to write. Faith actively pursues God because there is always something to receive from him. Faith actively pursues God because there is always something to receive from him. See, there's something that God wants you to know. There's two things, actually, in this verse. He wants you to know, first, that he exists. How many of you believe that God exists? But he also wants you to know that he is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. When you look that up in the Greek, it means one who pays wages. He's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him, who diligently pursue him who seek him out. I want to give you the, the word for, uh, for, for the word diligently, the meaning of the word diligently here in the Bible dictionary. It means to search out, to investigate, to scrutinize, and to crave. To search out, to investigate, to scrutinize, and to crave your God. Amen. So faith is this continual active pursuit of God because he always has something to give. There's always something to receive from him. You know, men pursue all kinds of things in this world in the way of possessions, career, power, prestige, money, whatever it may be. And oftentimes they find that those things that they relentlessly sought after for so long are nothing but empty and void of fulfillment. You know, over in um, the scriptures, it talks about a man by the name of Zacchaeus. We all know 
Zacchaeus? How many of you sang the song when you were a kid? He was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. And Zacchaeus was, was not popular in society. All right? He was what was called a chief tax collector. It was bad enough being a tax collector, but Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. All right, let me set this up for you. The tax collectors um, in, in, in Jerusalem, they had to take tax from the people. And so they, they already felt like the people felt like that these guys were more for the Romans than they were for them because they had to take tax from the people and, the, and, and just like the Romans took the tax. They weren't there representing the Romans. They were there representing Israel. So the people were double taxed, the Roman tax and their nation, their national tax. So when, 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 they, came, when uh, they came to their house to collect their money, it was like, oh, great. I have no friend in you, even though you're of, of my blood, you're my people, and yet you're taking money from me just like the Romans do. So they were hated in society. But then the chief tax collector... He's, a diff- he's different in a whole different position. He taxes the tax collectors. Now, that has got to be the loneliest job in the world. When you got the tax collectors hating you. All right? So, but it takes time to get that kind of position. All right? Most of these men were aged men by the time they achieved that level of chief tax collector. And, and I'm sure that uh, uh, Zacchaeus was a well-dressed man. He was a rich man, no doubt about it. But he gets this news. This is interesting. He gets this news somewhere along the way. Uh, he Googled Jesus of Nazareth and found out all this information about this, this man who was going around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God is with him. He was opening blind eyes, raising dead. And, and, and this news was spreading all around, and it happened to be actually in Jericho. And so the scripture says something interesting about this man that had accomplished what he had accomplished in life and had this great career, well, or whatever, great lonely career, who had risen to the top. And now there's something interesting happening in him. Yet we, see, we get hints of a dissatisfaction in this little man. And something in him is not fulfilled because the scripture says that he started running. As soon as he heard that Jesus was coming down the way, this guy goes into a dead sprint. Chief tax collectors don't run. They stroll. They might even strut. He's running. What is this guy, what is, what's going on in Zacchaeus that he, he's got to run? Something in his heart when he heard this news said, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. And so he finds a tree, and he, he scurries up that tree, and he gets in there amongst the leaves, and it just so happened to be a fig tree. Sycamore tree, fig tree. And there he is in amongst the leaves in the fig tree as Jesus comes walking by. And Jesus looks up in that tree and sees Zacchaeus in amongst those fig leaves. And maybe for just one moment, Jesus is taken back all the way to the very beginning of time. And he sees this man's father by the name of Adam hiding behind fig leaves too. And as this son of Adam is peering through those fig leaves, Jesus said, no, this is going to change today. And he calls him out of that tree. And he says, Zacchaeus which is interesting. I doubt many people probably called him by his name. They had some other sweet names to call Zacchaeus. Because knowing what the name Zacchaeus means, I'm sure many refuse to do it because Zacchaeus means pure one. But this is not his reputation. But you know what? It doesn't really matter what other people are saying about you. It only matters what God says. And Jesus says, pure one. Is Jesus lying? No, no, no. He's taking him up. He's bringing him out of his impurity by calling him by his name. Pure one. Don't you know that had to have been music to Zacchaeus' ears? And he says, I'm coming to your house today. Jesus just invited himself over to his house. 
And, and imagine that. Imagine that Zacchaeus knowing the things that he had done. Knowing what it took for him to get to this position of power. How many people he cheated and how many people he walked over and, and how many people he took money from that, that were already destitute as it was, taking their last dollars. And here he is. Now Jesus, this pure son of God, is calling him pure one and saying, I'm coming to your house. And then Zacchaeus goes, uh, he goes, gets out of that tree and they go over to Zacchaeus' house. And the scripture doesn't tell us anything about what was being said in that meeting except Zacchaeus' response after a while of sitting with Jesus. It didn't say that Jesus said, now, Zach, man, you need to make this right. You've been stealing from people. You've been cheating people. You've been, you, you, need to, you need to live by the commandments, man. Now, none of, that is, none, of that, none of that is recorded. All we know is that this man is having a moment in the presence of Jesus, and all of a sudden, the lights come on in his life. He gets a revelation. And he turns to Jesus, and he says, Lord, that's the key word. Lord, if I've wronged anyone, I'm going to pay him back four times what I owe him. And when Jesus heard that, he said to everybody there, salvation has come to this house today. Salvation has come to this house today. Wow. One moment with Jesus. One moment in his presence changed that man for good. He didn't need to hear a list of do's and don'ts. He just needed to be in the presence of Jesus. Just be in the presence of holiness. Just be in the presence of purity. And let it take full effect on it. That can do better than any rule book can accomplish in this world. Diligently. Pursue. He's a, God will never, ever. The scripture says that, that whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. He will never leave you empty-handed. If you'll pursue him, if you'll seek him, you'll find him. If you'll knock, that door will be open. If you'll ask, you will receive. It's a guarantee. God always will reward those who diligently seek him. I love Psalm chapter 145, verse 16. It says this, one of my favorite verses. You open your hand. And satisfy the desire of every living thing. See, what that teaches us about us and God is that he's really what we're looking for. Any dissatisfaction or unfulfillment that men find, it's because they haven't found God. They haven't found him in that scenario. They haven't found him in that place, in that moment, in that thought, or whatever it might be. He's what they're looking for. The scripture says that, uh, 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 what does it say? Psalm, uh, thank you, Eric, come on. Go there, go there, go there, find it, find it, find it. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence, or you will show me the path of life. That's what it says. In your presence is fullness of, Psalm 1611, I think. Look that up, make sure I'm right. Uh, is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What's at the right hand? Jesus himself. And in him are pleasures forevermore. Everything that would satisfy, is it, was that right? Psalm 1611? Is that it? Okay, Psalm 1611. Good. Well, for note takers, I just wanted you to be able to jot that down. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Every one of us is born in sin. Every one of us is born with that void that only God can fulfill. Only God can satisfy that craving and that thirsting. Men are, hey, these, these people that are out doing the things that are uns, unseemly, they're, they're, they're just hungry. They're just hungry. They're hungry for God. All right? They just don't know it. That's why we come and bring the gospel. We come and bring the gospel to give them the appetite for the right thing. They got the appetite, it's got the appetite for the wrong thing. I can remember years ago when I started losing weight, I had to change my appetite for the right thing. And I didn't like the right thing. I didn't. I, didn't. I wanted to eat pecan pie every day of my life. It felt like the right thing until I'd been over to tie my shoes and it didn't feel like the right thing anymore. <laughs> I did. I'm serious. I was working at this old Christian school. <laughs> You're not supposed to take it that personally, Randy. But uh, 
and, and, and every day that I'd go over to the snack bar there and they had these little, y'all know the pecan pies, little mini pecan pies in a little tin? God made them himself. <laughs> baked right out of his oven in heaven. Every day I was just eating those sand. I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't thinking about what I, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about it. Until somebody told me one day, boy, Heather must be feeding you good. And I was like, what? <laughs> and we'd only been married, what, a year? So then uh, some time went by, and I was still eating those pecan pies. That wasn't the only thing I wasn't eating right. I mean, I, just, I was hooked on those things. And then we went, had a chance to go record in a studio down in Austin, Texas, uh, owned by uh, Sleep at the Wheel. Anybody listen to Sleep at the Wheel? Great Texas swing band. And Ray Benson, his, um, his studio there, had the honor of recording there in his studio. And somebody was videoing us. And uh, later on, sometime later, we all, we all got together, our band, and we were watching the video of us recording. And I'm looking at myself, and my guitar is out like this. <laughs> I'm playing. And I'm going. I look at Heather. I said, do I, did the camera do that, or did I do that? And she, I said, does that, does that, that really look like that? She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And to boot, I just happened to have a Fat Albert T-shirt on. <laughs> In that video, I thought, man. So then I had to start eating vegetables and slim fast shakes. and I don't know why I'm saying all that. Oh, yeah, because the appetite needs to change. Hungry for the right kind of thing. Jesus told the woman at the well, if, if you knew I've got water, that you drink it, you'll never thirst again. What's he doing? He's wetting her appetite for the right thing. For the right thing. God does not uh, hold what you need in a tight-fisted hand. He has an open hand. Praise God. And you don't have to try to coerce God. Try to say enough Hail Marys and Our Fathers and Father in heaven, and, 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 and you know, Jesus said it's, it's those religious guys that are known for their much, for their many, many, many prayers. But that's not what makes a prayer effective. Not much praying, but faith in praying is what makes prayer effective. Not to try to manipulate him, to get God to somehow reach down his hand and pry his fingers open to, you know, flick you a nickel. No, he... He has an open hand. He has an open hand. Do you believe that today? He has an open hand. And he wants you to understand. He just wants you to seek him out. He wants you to seek him out. Diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. And he'll reward you. All right? We're not seeking the stuff. We're seeking him. And the stuff comes. Seek first the kingdom. And the stuff comes. All right? Search him out and investigate him. And then you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, that says, We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. One of the Holy Spirit's uh, uh, jobs, would you say a job or function is, that he constantly revealing to you what God has given to you. So that you'll go after that thing. See, the promises of God, let me say this. The promises of God are the cure for the desire for wrong things. The promises of God are the cure for the desire for wrong things. Cure you of the disease of the desire of the wrong things. Let me say it like that. Okay? Let's go to, let's go to 2 Peter 1 and verse 3 for a moment. And We're off track now, David. Of course, I'm sure you're used to that by now. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. I think we're going to read verses 3 and 4. Uh, 3 says, um, As his divine power is given unto us, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Is that right? And has given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that, what, through or by? Through these 
you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay, the corruption that is in the world comes through lust or the desire for the wrong things. All right, look at this. Be partakers of the divine nature. That is, you have the God kind of life. You live the God experience. How does that happen? Because you receive great and precious promises. You receive what God comes to give you. So what they, those promises come and do is they keep you from, from the lust of the wrong things, the desire for the wrong things. He's given you enough things to desire that you'll never desire wrong. And let me help you understand this too, that when you pray in faith, you will never pray a wrong prayer, ever. Amen. Ever. Because faith pleases God. And whatever is not of faith is sin. And he, he will not wink at that. He's given you the right kind of desire in his word, in his promise. And now he just wants you to pursue him with everything in you. Search him out, scrutinize, investigate, do everything you have to. That's going to happen by faith. Expecting, with an expectation, not a, oh man, I hope this works out. No, 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 no. It's an absolute for you. Amen. He will not leave you ashamed. Yeah. Amen. And his gifts, by the way, his gifts, by the way, are an expression of him. All right? He's given us these gifts too, these gifts of the Holy Spirit that we, we all love to operate in, you know, prophecy and, and speaking in tongues and uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge healing, miracles, all these kinds of things God has given to us as expressions of Him, as expressions of Him. So He invites us to learn more about Him by the things that He gives to us. Amen. Okay, we must keep going. By faith, Noah, verse 7, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, Moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Praise God. Write this down. Faith is deliverance for you and your family. Faith is deliverance for you. That Noah, because Noah found grace, his whole family found grace. Because Noah found favor, his whole family found favor. Because Noah found deliverance, his whole family found deliverance. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Hey, God didn't give up on you, and you weren't even looking for him. You weren't even looking for him. That's what Isaiah says. All we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When did that happen? When we were all going astray, living for ourselves, and God blamed Jesus for that. And God pursued you. He didn't give up on you. And he has a plan not only for you, but he also has a plan for your family. Don't forget, he loves them way more than you do. And you think about as much as you love your family, he loves them way more. All right? And he has their best interest in mind. And he has salvation in mind for you and all your house. And so you need to declare that over your family, over, your, over those that you are, you are wanting to see come into the kingdom of God and say things like this. Just like have that Joshua kind of spirit that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. All right? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I, I quote this over my family all the time. Another one, and I pray this over you guys too, is that all of my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. I love that scripture, Isaiah chapter 54. All of my children shall be, even Dylan, all of my ch children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. Proclaim that. Declare that over your family. My mother was in hot pursuit to see my grandfather saved before he went to heaven. So this isn't just talking about, you know, just you and your kids. This is talking about your family, all right? So, and my, my grandfather, he, he didn't live for God. He just didn't live for God. Now, he did overcome alcoholism uh, and um, the last 25 years of his life or so, he was sober and, and was a part of AA for many years. And, and when that happened, when my grandfather got sober, we got our grandpa. And it was awesome. And he, he spent time with us and, and uh, pursued a relationship with all of us. And he had come from a broken home and just raised in a really, really terrible environment. So, you know, 
uh, he got the desire for wrong things. But my mother was always kind of sowing these seeds, you know, to him. And, and he'd always say this. This was his line. I already made my peace with God. I already made my peace with God. That's, all it, that's as far as the conversation would go. I already made my peace with God. Well, buddy, you can't make peace with God. Only Jesus can make peace with God for you. It is. The scripture said, what, is that, what does Romans 5, 1 say? Uh, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So all he knew about it is that, and, and in the church that he was a part of, they kicked him out, so he wasn't excited about church either. But he got, he got sick, and he smoked like crazy. And uh, so, I mean, he was actually a very strong and healthy man, but he smoked so much that he just couldn't, couldn't recover from that. And when he got up in his late 70s, it, his body succumbed to it, and he got emphysema, and he was having to have that tank with him, and I hated seeing him like that. But he got in the hospital, and uh, this, this visit would be... This hospital visit would be permanent. This, he would never leave the hospital. And my mother is still, she's still praying for him. She's still seeking God. God, me and all my house. I want my dad in heaven. I want my, you're going to have to do something. Intervene. But Lord, I'm, I'm just declaring that he's saved. That he'll come to know God. So, um, mom got news that a, a woman chaplain had come to see my grandfather. And so she, one of my aunts told her that, that he talked to this woman for a long time in, in his room. And so then she, mom finally talked to this lady and this lady told her that she led my grandfather to Jesus right there in that hospital room. And it was interesting. My, he was a real gruff man. I mean, he, was a, he was in the Navy and we always said he sounded like a pirate. You talk like this. Hardy. And uh, had, had a sailor's mouth, too. But when I'm he wanted to call all of his grandkids. And so he called each and every one of us individually. And I remember getting on the phone and hearing his voice was so soft. And I, it was hard for me to believe it was my grandfather. All that gruffness, all that roughness was gone. And he just started talking sweet to me, telling me how much you love me. I'm thinking, Grandpa? I mean, the Lord did an amazing work in him where two days later, he went to heaven. Two days later, he was gone after having surrendered his life to the Lord. You and all your house, don't give up because God's not giving up on him. God's not giving up on him. Believe him. Declare. It became a theme in the New Testament as Paul Remember when he and Silas were thrown in jail and the jailer came in and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Peter was in Cornelius' house and the first Gentile convert in Acts chapter 11 and the angel told Cornelius this. In Acts chapter 11, uh, Peter saying what the angel told Cornelius and he, and he said, And he will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Amen. He wants you and all your house in heaven with him more than you could ever want it. So believe him. Declare that over your life. Declare it. Me and all my house. Me and all my house. Me and all my house. We're all going to heaven. Amen. Um, you know what? I think I'm going to stop right there tonight. Did that bless you tonight? We've, we're just going to... I want to give this chapter... Some time. Is that all right if we just walk through this slowly and milk it for everything it's worth? Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we bless you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that, that to each of us has been dealt measure of faith. And Lord, uh, we have been, we have a, a, a privilege and both responsibility to see that faith increase, to see that faith grow in our lives. Jesus, you said if we had faith as a mustard seed, that though it starts small, it doesn't stay small. And Father, we thank you that you give us ways to do that. And that is by hearing the word, by confessing your word, by walking by faith, by imitating those who through faith and patience inherit the promises, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you help us.
in our pursuit of you. Lord, that you show your people your strength. You show your people, Lord, that you are good. You show them, Lord, if they'll seek you, they'll certainly find you. And they'll find so much more than they could ever ask or think. Because that's what you do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for healing bodies tonight. Thank you, Lord, for setting the captives free tonight. Thank you, Lord, for delivering people. Thank you, Lord, that, that you're blessing people, Lord. Thank you for favoring them, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for breakthrough in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, for healing inside out in Jesus' name, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your power being released here. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke, Lord. It removes every burden. Father, we thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Tonight, if, you are, if you're weary, you're, 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 you're weighed down, just right now just say, Lord, I'm not taking this. I'm giving this to you. You said cast my cares on you, and I'm going to not care about it anymore. No more. No more. This is on you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to rejoice in my God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Bless your wonderful name, Jesus. Thank you that you always give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you cause us to triumph in every way, in everything, Lord. Thank you, God, that you've given us that overcoming spirit, Lord, that we, you've made us more than conquerors through him who loved us. Hallelujah. He conquered everything and it made us more than conquerors. We thank you, Lord, for that. In the name of Jesus, we will never, never accept defeat. We will never accept that in our lives. That's not in our DNA. It's not who we, you've called us to be. Because if God be for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. If God be for us, we win. Because we don't serve a dead God. We serve a God who overcame death hell, and the grave, and all of its stupid, ugly cousins. We thank you, Father God, that that same spirit that raised our Lord Jesus from the dead is in us right now, in this moment. Hallelujah. Thank you for it. Thank you for a room full of champions. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.